Shalom to all. Today's office of Yom Asaf Ayin Beis. We are starting eight lines from the top at the two dots. And today's office sponsor Lili Nishmas, Mars Miriam Sarah, Basar Yaakov Meisha, Hernesham Shadavnaliyah, and Lili Nishmas, Mars Rivka, Basar Meir Zev, Hernesham Shadavnaliyah. And we concluded yesterday explaining that the reason why Klal Yisrael did not get a bris milah during the forty years in the desert was because there was no northern wind blowing, and we need to have a northern wind in order to be able to heal from the bris milah. The Gemara continues. Tan Rabban, we have a brayso. Call us and our bayim shana Klal Yisrael midbar. The entire forty years that Klal Yisrael was in midbar, loy hayoyim shaloy nasha by there wasn't a day that the Ruch's finest did not blow halfway through the night, meaning at Chatzais Halayla. Shinamar, because the Pasuk says, it was halfway through the night, it was Chatzais. Hashem struck all the firstborns in Mitzrayim. That's talking about Makas Bechares. The Gemara asked, My Talmud, what's that trying to teach us? How do we learn from Makas Bechares that the Ruch's finest blew in the midbar at Chatzais? The Gemara answers, Hakamash Lan is teaching us the Ace Ratzon Milsehi, that an Ace Ratzon, a propitious, opportune time, a time of favor, is something that really does exist and it's something that Hashem is going to continue throughout all time. Chatzai Salayil is clearly an Ace Ratzin, that's when Hashem brought Makas Bechayres, and therefore Chatzai Salayil is also the time that Hashem is going to have the northern wind blow. And now going back to talking about an RL, someone who doesn't have a Brasmila. Amrav Huni says as follows, Dvar Taira, Midai Raisa, Mashach Eichabetruma. Someone who's a Mashach, he can eat Truma. What's a Mashach? Literally, this means stretched or pulled. This means that he had a Brasmila, but then the skin of his aver got pulled over his Brasmila. Now it looks like he doesn't have a Bras. So Midai Raisa, he's allowed to eat Truma. Umidivrayim, Gazru Olav, Bneshanir Ka'arel, but Midraban and the Ragaizar, are he's not allowed to eat truma because he looks like an RL. But now the Gemara asks, may stay away from Brasa tells us Mashach Tarshiyamul, a Mashach has to get a brasmila, and right now the one asking the question understands that to mean that Midai Raisa needs to get a brasmila, whereas Rafuna said that only Midrabanan needs to get a brasmila. The Gemara says no, Midrabanan, that Brasa is telling us that only Midrabanan he has to get a bris. So the Gemara now asks, Udikarila, my Karila, the one that asked the question, what was his Havamino? What was he thinking? Hatsarh Kitani, the Brasa said, Sarich, he needs to get a brasmila. That implies Midrabanan needs to get a bris. It doesn't say that Mashach is like an RL. It says Mashach needs to get a brismila. So what was it have amino by reading this brisa that midai raisa he would need to get a brismila? The Gemara answers Kataiba He made a mistake with the end of the brisa. The end of the brisa says Rabbi Huda Rabbi Huda tells us Loi Yamal he does not get a brismila because it's a danger for him if he gets a brismila. This is already the second time around. We're just doing a little bit of a fix up. He might accidentally get cut and then he's not going to be able to have children. Amrulai they told Rabbi Huda Halay Harbe Malu may Ben Kuziva. There was many people that had a second brismila in the times of Ben Kuziva by Lidu and they had many children. Who's this Ben Kuziva? He's the famous Bar Kaichba, the one who led the rebellion against the Romans. He ruled for two and a half years until ultimately Betar was totally destroyed. Now, when the Romans were still in power, they forced the men to make themselves into Meshuchim, covering their bris. Once Bar Kaichba took over, they gave themselves a Mila again. So they're proving to Rabbi Huda that there's no problem. Someone who's a Mashuch could get a bris Mila and there's no danger to him. Now, how do we know someone who's a Mashuch needs another bris? Shinemar, because the Pasuk says, Himal Yimal, what do we learn from here? Afilumea Pa'amim, even if he has to get a bris a hundred times, because every time his skin continues to stretch over the bris, he would still have to get a bris a hundred times. But Imer, another Pasuk says, as Brisi Hefar, or as that teaches Larabis is a mashuch, that includes a mashuch if he does not have a bris mila, it's considered like Hafar's bris. Now the Gemara asks, my Imer, why do we have to have this Imer? Why do we have to have a second Pasuk? And the answer is because you might say that this first Pasuk of Himal Yimal is just telling us about if he has a few strands left over after the bris mila, that's what it's talking about, that's still considered like he doesn't have a bris. Tashma, that's why we have another Pasuk, as Brisi Hefar, Larabis is a mashuch, that includes a person who's a mashuch, he would have to get another bris mila. But now here's our explanation of the maksha, the one that asked this question, he understood that it was Dairaisa. How did he understand it was Dairaisa? Who suffer? He thought, from the fact that we brought a raya from a pasuk, it must be that Midairaisa, a mashuch needs to have a bris. But Valahi, that's not so. Midrabanon, really only Midrabanon needs a bris. But cross, Machtaba the pasuk is just a smach, and Midairaisa, he does not need a bris. But now we continue asking on Rabbi Hunashit and Mashuch Mesa, we have a brass that tells us as follows Tom Tom ain't Eichel Batruma, a Tom Tom is not allowed to eat Truma. What is a 
tumtum. So we're going to get into discussion what a tumtum is itself. But we generally understand that a tumtum is someone that has a piece of skin covering the genitalia. So we do not know if it's a male or female. So on the side of this tumtum is a male, that means he doesn't have a bris. We know that an aril is not allowed to eat chuma. However, the brassing continues. Nashav v'avadav eichlin, his nashim and slaves are allowed to eat. Mashach v'nalik shumahol, a mashach or someone who's born with a bris, harei elu eichlin, they are allowed to eat chuma. Androgynous eichel b'chuma, and androgynous is allowed to eat chuma. Ve'ein eichel b'kachim, he's not allowed to eat kachim. And androgynous is someone who has both male and female genitalia. So if this androgynous has a bris mila, he's definitely allowed to eat chuma because either he's a male or a female. If he's a male, he has a bris. If he's a female, he's allowed to eat chuma. But he's not allowed to eat kachim because only males are allowed to eat kachim, and he's not 100% male. However, tumtum ein eichel lebe chuma vlebe kachim. A tumtum is not allowed to eat chuma or kachim. So what's the question? Ketanimia said, any rate, the brayser taught mashuch v'noyek shumal. Someone who's mashuch and noyek shumal harei elu eichlin. They're allowed to eat chuma. Tiyofta derafuna tiyofta. This is refutation of Huna. We see that even midrabanon a mashuch is allowed to eat chuma, and he does not have to get a bris mila. And now analyzing the brayser. Amar Amar, we had just said in the brayser, tumtum ein eichel b'chuma. Tumtum is not allowed to eat chuma, but nashav ve'avadav eichlim. His nashim and avadim are allowed to eat. The question is, nashav v'tumtum inole. How does a tumtum have a wife? How is a tumtum able to get married? And ilim, if you want to say the kaddish that he was makaddish a woman, detanya we have a brayso tumtum shekidish kedusha kedushin. If a tumtum was makaddish a woman, that's a valid kedushin. Nis kaddish if a tumtum accepted kedushin from a man kedusha kedushin, that's a valid kedushin. So you're going to say, oh, his wife can eat because he's able to be makaddish a woman. Amor the amor lechumra. Perhaps we only say that lechumra lechumra. If a tumtum gave someone kedushin, we're going to say that's a valid kedushin only in as much as that woman who received kedushin from a tumtum is not allowed to marry any of the tumtum's relatives. Or if a tumtum received kedushin, then the man that gave that tumtum kedushin is not allowed to marry any of the tumtum's relatives. But Lakula Miamrina, do we say Lakula? Do we say that if a tumtum was Makadish a woman, now that woman is allowed to eat truma? We can't say that Lakula, it's only Lakumra. Suffolk Ishahu, it's a Suffolk, he might be a woman. Vain Isha Makadesh is Isha, a woman can't be Makadesh a woman. So, how is it that there's a Tumtum with a wife? So, Amr Abai Abai answers one answer, Shabbat of Nikaris Machutz. We're talking about a Tumtum that his testicles are visible outside this piece of skin. So, he most definitely is a male, but he definitely doesn't have a bris also because he has this piece of skin covering his aver. Now, Rav Amr, he explains differently. My Nashav, what does it mean his Nashim are allowed to eat? Imai, we're referring to his mother. If his mother was a Basi Israel who married a Kayan and then the Kayan died, so if they had this child who's a Tumtum, the mother is allowed to continue eating truma because of this tumtum child of hers. The Gemara asks, Imai, Pshita, it's obvious his mother would be allowed to continue eating truma. This is considered having a descendant from a kain. Why should she not be allowed to continue eating truma? The Gemara answers, Malditemi, you might have thought, Only if she has a descendant which is able to have a child of their own, then that would enable the mother to eat. But if she has a descendant which cannot have a child, like this tumtum who can't have a child, then the mother would not be allowed to continue eating truma. Kamashma, and the Chedesh is, even though her only descendant from the kain is a tumtum, she's still allowed to continue eating truma. And now we continue analyzing the brisa based off of the opinions of Abai and Rava. Tashma, the end of the brisa had said, Tumtum enoi oichel, loi betruma vloi bekachim, a tumtum is not allowed to eat truma or kachim. And this was a repetition, because we had already mentioned at the beginning of the brisa that a tumtum is not allowed to eat truma. So Bishlam el this is good according to Abai, that had just explained that the tumtum of the ratio of the brisa is talking about someone whom we know to be a for sure male, because the beitzim are visible. Tan ratio arel vadai, so the ratio is talking about a case of arel vadai, he for sure doesn't have a bris mila. Fikatani seifa, and the seifa is telling us, Suffolk arel. And the Seifa, when he repeats Tumtum Ene Eichel, that's talking about a Suffolk RL. Again, he's only a Suffolk if he's a RL. He might not even be a male, he might be a female. So having repetition in the Brisa makes sense according to Abaye. El Rava, but according to Rava, Tumtum de Seifa Lamali. Why do we have to have Tumtum repeated in the Seifa? If according to Rava, our understanding of Tumtum is the same both in the Risha and the Seifa, so why do we have to repeat the din of a Tumtum not being allowed to eat Truma in the Seifa? The Gemara answers, My Tumtum, what is the Tumtum that we're talking about in the Seifa? RL, we're talking about a one who's an RL Vadai. The Gemara asks, if that's really so, Hashta Suffolk RL. 
Vadai Achil, now that we know from the ratio of the Brayster, that if he's a Suffolk Ariel, he's not allowed to eat Truma, Vadai Ariel Achil, what you think that someone who's a Vadai Ariel is allowed to eat Truma? Why should you have to repeat in the safe of the Brayster that someone who's a Vadai Ariel is not allowed to eat Truma if we already know from the ratio of the Brayster that a Suffolk Ariel is not allowed to eat Truma? The Gemara answer is Matam Kamar, the safe of the Brayster is just a Matam. Matam Tomtum Enoichabat Truma. Why is it that the Tomtum of the ratio is not allowed to eat Truma? Because he's a Suffolk Ariel. The Ariel Enoichal Leibetruma Vleibekachim. And Ariel is not allowed to eat Truma or Kachim. So the safe is coming to explain the ratio. But now going back to Shitas Rav Huna from the beginning of our Gemara, Lamekatanai, let's say it's Machlekes Tanaim. Because we have a brass that tells us Mashach, someone whose Arlo was Mashach, who was stretched, who was pulled, and now it looks like he's not Mahol. Vager Shani's Garakshu Mahol, or a Ger that became a Ger. He had already had a Brismila, for example, an Arab who had a Brismila, and then he became a Ger. The Katan Shavar's Manoi, a child who the time passed, meaning he didn't get a Brismila on the eighth day for whatever reason, and now we're past day eight. Vashar Kalani Mailim, and all others that need a Brismila as well. We just pause for a second to explain what that means, Vashar Kalani Mailim, Lasuye Mishiyesh Lashte Arlois. That's including someone who has two arlois, meaning they have two pieces of skin that need to be caught. The Brasa continues, All these people, they have to get a bris milah during the day. Rav Lazar Rav Shimon, I'm Rav Lazar Rav Shimon says, Bismani, if this person is getting a bris milah in the proper time on the eighth day, Ein Bezom 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 Eni Meilin El Biyayim, then they have to get a bris milah during the day. The Pesach tells us, hashmini On the eighth day, he gets a bris milah, and we learn from there that it's on the eighth day itself, during the day, not at night. However, if it's not in its proper time, they could get a bris milah during the day, or even at night. Now, my lab, it must be the machlex between Tanakama and Rabbi Rabbi Shimon is, the Marasov, the Tanakama holds, mashuch that someone who's a mashuch needs to get a bris milah so that's why they have to get a bris milah during the day. Marasov, Rabbi Shimon holds, mashuch that someone who's a mashuch only needs to get a bris milah just like what Rabbi Said, and that's why he said, a mashach, who's shalai bismana, he's not getting brismila on the eighth day, he's allowed to get a brismila even at night. The Gemara says, Vitizbar, is it logical to say that? Does anyone hold that a katan that missed his eighth day getting a brismila, that his brismila now is only midrabanon? Everyone agrees it's dairaisa. Just because he didn't get it on the eighth day, that doesn't mean that all of a sudden now it's only dairabanon. So, Ella really, the Kuli Alma Mashach, dairabanon, but katan shafar zmana dairaisa. Everyone holds that a mashach needs a brismila, only dairabanon. Katan shafar zmana, he's not getting it on the eighth day. That's the Iraisa still. The Tanakhama holds that we darshan ubayim. This extra vav ubayim teaches us that we give these people brismila during the day and not at night. And Rabbi Lazar Shimon doesn't darshan ubayim. He doesn't darshan that extra vav. But really, everyone holds a mashach as rabbanon. So therefore, we don't have machlekes tanaim in what Rav Huna was saying. Now, how do we know that there's machlekes tanaim? Whether we darshan ubayim, this extra vav. Rabbi Yechon was sitting in darshaning. He said, "Nicer bismanoi ainenis." If we have nicer in its proper time, it has to be burned during the day. If it's not this man of nicer, it can be burned both during the day and at night. We know that every single carbon has a certain time limit it's allowed to be eaten. If it's not eaten within that time limit, so then any meat leftover is considered nicer and it has to be burned. Nicer, something which is left over, means the day that it's left over, the day that it becomes nicer, so then it has to be burned during the day. It's not allowed to be burned at night. But if for whatever reason we weren't able to burn it during the day, so then it's allowed to be burned at night. Now that's what Rabbi Yechanan said, but Acer Rabbi right away. I know that a child who's getting a bris on the eighth day, it has to be during the day and not at night. How do I know to include a child who's getting a bris on the ninth, tenth, eleventh, or twelfth day that he also has to get a bris during the day and not at night? We have this extra 
vav. Even according to Manda Amr, that we don't darshan this extra vav, vav hey darish. We definitely will darshan vav hey. Vav hey is by the pasuk of vehanoisar. We have vehanoisar, an extra vav, an extra hey. Everyone agrees that we're going to darshan that. Now, already from here, we have a raya that not everyone darshans ubayayim, this extra vav, by the case of brismila. And that's our entire purpose of bringing this memra. Now, the Gemara just continues with what happened afterwards. Ishtik, Rabbi Yechon was quiet. He didn't answer Rabbi Lazar's question. Basar Dinafak, after Rabbi Lazar left, Amr Rabbi Yechon Rishlakish, Rabbi Yechon told Rishlakish, Reisi Ben Pedas, I saw Ben Pedas. He was referring to Rebbe Lazar as Ben Pedas because he's Rebbe Lazar Ben Pedas. Important to note that anytime we have Rebbe Lazar, the Amaira mentioned in the Gemara, that's Rebbe Lazar Ben Pedas. When we have Rebbe Lazar the Tanu, that's Rebbe Lazar Ben Shemua. But Rebbe Lazar the Amaira, whom we were talking about over here, that's Rebbe Lazar Ben Pedas. So Rebbe was commenting, I just saw Rebbe Lazar Ben Pedas. He was sitting in Darshaning like Moshe Rabbeinu was getting some Tyra from Hashem. He seemed to be making up these Joshas from Sukkim all on his own. How could he say something like that? So Amalei Rishlakish, Rishlakish told him, Didehi, is it really his own Joshas? Masnisa, it's a Brisa. So Rebbe asked him, Hechatanalei, where is this Brisa? I didn't know that it was a Brisa. He answered him, Betaras Kaihanim. It's taught in Taras Kaihanim. So Nafak Rebbe went out, Tanya Betlasa Yaimi. He learned all of Taras Kaihanim in three days, Besvara Betlasa Yarchi, and it took him another three months until he understood all the Svaras of Taras Kaihanim. So in a total of three months and three days, Rebbe had Taras Kaihanim under his belt. And continue to talk about RL, picking up with something we mentioned yesterday. Yesterday we were talking about whether an RL is allowed to have the Hazah of the Mechata sprinkled on him. He's Tame Mace, but he's also an RL. Is he allowed to have Azas Mechatas on him? And we came out that he is allowed to. Says the Gemara Amr Ablazar Ablazar tells us, RL Shehiza has Asaik Shera. In RL that did the sprinkling of the Mechatas, that's Kasher. Just like a Tvul someone who went to the Mikvah, but he didn't have hair of Shemesh. The sun didn't set yet. He's not 100% Tahar, but he's almost 100% Tahar. He did go to the Mikvah. Even though he's Asar with Truma, Kasher Parah, he's allowed to be involved in the Paraduma. So to an RL is allowed to be involved in the Paraduma. The Gemara asks, what do you mean? Is allowed to eat meiser. My answer is no. Why are we talking about eating something over here? We're talking about touching. Just like a tful yom is not allowed to touch truma. Mother para, he's allowed to be involved in the paraduma. Aril shemoter benigia in aril that's allowed to touch truma or cut him or anything. Ain't it in shemoter para? Isn't he allowed to be involved in paraduma? Beautiful raya. Just like this, Aril Shehiza has Asa an Aril that sprinkled the Mechatos on someone who is Tame, that's Kasher. And Umaisa Haya, there was a story that happened. And the Machshir, they said the fact that this Aril sprinkled on someone else, it's totally okay, it's totally Kasher. But now the Gemara asked Mesa, we have a Brass that tells us, Tumtum Shekidesh Kidushai Pasol. If a Tumtum was Mechadesh the Mechatos, it's Pasol. What does it mean to be Mechadesh the Mechatos? We take the ashes of the Paraduma and mix it with spring water, that's called being Mechadesh the Mechatos. So if a Tumtum did that, it's Pasol. Why? Because he's a Suffolk Aril, the Aril Pasol Kadesh, and Aril is not allowed to do Kiddush of the Mechatos. If an Androgynist did Kiddush of the Mechatos, if an Androgynist did Kiddush of the Mechatos, then that's Kosher. Rabbi Huda, I'm Rabbi Huda, says, If an Androgynist did Kiddush, Kiddush of Pasulim, even if an Androgynist did it, it's going to be Pasol of Benesha Suffolk Isha because he's Suffolk, maybe he's a woman. If Isha Pasulim Mel Kadesh, and a woman is not allowed to be Mechatos the Mechatos. Now here's the question, Katani Mia, and anyway, we learned in this Brisa, Aril, the Suffolk Aril, Pasol Mel Kadesh. In Aril, and a Suffolk Aril is not allowed to be Mechatos the Mechatos. So how can we say that an Aril is allowed to do Hazas? Mechatos. If he's not allowed to be Makadish Mechatos, presumably he's not allowed to do Hazas Mechatos. So Amr Vyesef, he answers, High Tana, the Tana that Brysa is Tana to be Rabbi Kivahu. It was a Tana from the Besmesh of Rabbi Kiva that taught it. He was teaching it in Shitas Rabbi Kiva, the Marbulela Aril Katame. The Rabbi Kiva says that an Aril is just like a Tame. The Tanya Vefa Brysa Rabbi Kiva Aimer, Ish Ish, the Rabbis Aril. So that Brysa is Shitas Rabbi Kiva. Now Amr Rava, Rava says, Have you seen a Kamet Rabbi Yosef? I was sitting in front of Rabbi Yosef when he gave this answer, the Kashali, and I was bothered by the following. Loyal Shtamet Tana, the Tana of the Brysa shouldn't have 
have left out from including these together, the listni, he should have said as follows, Ha'arel v'hatame. And then, by saying Ha'arel v'hatame together, Vilema would have said, Rebbe Kivahi, that this Bryce is clearly Rebbe Kiva, that groups an Ha'arel and Hatame together. From the fact that the Tan of the Bryce did not say Ha'arel v'hatame together, it must be that Rebbe Kiva doesn't really hold that Ha'arel is like a Tame. The Gemara says, Vilay, we don't have a source already that an Ha'arel is just like a Tame. Vakatani, we have a Bryce that says Ha'arel v'hatame p'turim in Ha'ar An Ha'arel and Hatame are Pater from Ra'iyah, which means they don't have to be Ayla Rego by Shalash Regalim. So we see that an Ariel and Tame are grouped together. So Rav answers, no, Hasam Yishim Demais. The only reason why an Ariel does not have a Chiv to go into the base of Mikdash, that's because he's considered most because he doesn't have Bris Mila. But it doesn't mean that he's like a Tame, and therefore he's not necessarily possible to be involved in the Mechatas. Now focusing on the Brasa that we just brought, Machlex between Tanakama and Rabbi Yehuda. Everyone's allowed to do Kiddush Mechatas, they're allowed to take the water and mix it with the ashes, except for Kershait and Katan. Rabbi Huda allows a katan to do it, but he does not allow a woman in androgynous, just like we said in the Brisa. Now the Gemara asks, My time to Rabbanon, what's Rabbanon's reasoning? They'll say because it says in the Pasuk, And they shall take for the Tame from the ashes of the burnt Chatos, which is referring to taking the ashes of the Paraduma. What do we learn from here? Someone who's not allowed to gather the ashes of the Paraduma together, so they're not allowed to be Makadesh them, they're not allowed to put them in the water. Someone who's allowed to gather the ashes together, so they're allowed to be Mechadish the Mechatos. And now regarding the gathering of the ashes of the Mechatos, it says, Va'asaf ish tahar. And we learn from that Pasuk, Va'asaf ish. And ish has to do the gathering and not a katan, but the word tahar teaches us that even a woman is allowed to do the gathering. So the Chalm explain, a katan is not allowed to do the gathering of the ashes, so he's not allowed to be Mechadish it. And a woman is allowed to do the gathering of ashes, so she is allowed to do Kiddush Mechatos. Now, if Rabbi Huda Amr he would answer you, Imkin, if that's really so, name a the Pasuk should say, Velakach, my Velakchu. Why is it used a lashon of Velakchu and they shall take? That teaches even the ones that are puzzle over there, namely a katan, they're kosher over here by Kiddush Mechatos. The Gemara says, if that's really so, Ishanami, so a woman should be permitted. If a woman is kosher to gather the ashes, so she should be kosher to do Kiddush. So Rabbi Huda answers, V'nasan v'loi v'nasna. It says in the Pasuk, V'nasan, he shall place. It doesn't say she shall place. So therefore, according to Rabbi Huda, a woman is possible by Kiddush Mechatos. Now, Rabbanan, how would they answer the way Rabbi Huda understands the Pasuk? They would tell us, Iksiv v'lokach v'nasan havamina shakel chad v'yav chad. If the Pasuk would have said, v'lokach and he shall take v'nasan and he shall place, I would think that's talking about one person taking it, one person placing it. Kas v'achman v'lokchu, that's why the Torah says, v'lokchu, they shall take, implying that even two people can take the ashes. Because v'achman v'lokchu v'nasnu, if the Pasuk would have said, v'lokchu v'nasnu, havamina, I would think, the shakli tre v'yavi tre, the two people could take it and two people could place it. Kas v'achman v'lokchu v'nasan, the Torah says, v'lokchu, they shall take, v'nasan, he shall place, da'filu shakli tre v'yav chad, even if two people take it and one person places it, that's okay. Basically, they have a totally different way of understanding the Pasuk than Rabbi Huda does. Now we just include with one more Joshua about Mechatos, Ayin Gimelam Adalf on the top, Vihizahatar ala Tame. The Pasuk says that the Tahar shall sprinkle on the Tame. What do we learn from here? Tahar Mechlal Shehu Tame. By the fact that the Pasuk says Tahar, that he is pure, that implies that he is Tame to some extent. He's Tahar from some of his previous Toma, but not from all of his Toma. He's still a little bit Tame. And what do we learn from there? Limel Tvul Yom Shakashar This teaches us that a Tvul Yom, someone who went to the Mikveh that day, is allowed to be involved in the Paraduma, even though we know that for him to be allowed to eat truma, he has to wait till Harav Shemesh, he has to wait till nightfall after going to the mikvah. Nonetheless, the fact that he went to the mikvah that day makes him tahar to some extent, and that's what the Pasuk of Hizat Tahar teaches us, that he's tahar to some extent, but Tame to a different extent, he's still allowed to be involved in the Paraduma. We're going to stop here for the day, pick up, continue to talk about an RL tomorrow. For now, everyone should have a wonderful day.